1: If you don't laugh, you're gonna go on a killing spree to shop and make a few. Confidence of a hero or fool. I wasn't exactly certain which. Could not be more professional. It's all in one. I to go my life too. That's okay. It means something. It means something. And they got away. You know, that's my take now with what's here is. That's like a science thing, right? Indeed, indeed, indeed it is. It is a science thing. It is a science place. It's a scientific fact. We're all up in your face. It is time once again for the one, the only, Protonic Reversal. Welcome to it. Welcome to it. Welcome to it. Tonight's very special episode of Protonic Reversal. I'm Mr. James Woodard of The Grasshopper Lies Heavy who uh, has has the wisdom of having a full sentence long band name because that's that's how true players roll. What's up man?
0: Wow. What's <laughs> up man? How are you doing?
1: Good, good. Uh it's good to see you. Um you got a new record, dude, in 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 a time where it's very difficult to uh get a record out. Like what what with vinyl <laughs> you know being I I want to say short supply, that isn't really true, but <laughs> It seems yeah, like it's taken well, a long time to do stuff. Let's put it that way.
0: The records aren't in hand yet. Yeah, but we're supposed to have records.
1: Uh, but you, you, congratulations! It's always, it's always a nice feat to be able to do that. I had to spotlight you there in case you're wondering. Spotlight, great. Oh, oh, okay. heavy. In case you'd be like, "What's this fucking asshole doing?" Uh, <laughs> but, yeah. yeah well,
0: thanks, man. It's <laughs> it's been crazy. It, it,
1: it's um, a it, it's an accomplishment. I mean, it, it's always an accomplishment to put an album of any kind but i mean especially in like in, in these in these troubling times it's it's a pretty big deal and it's um it's been a bit right it's been a bit for grasshopper Lies heavy
0: yeah we put out a collection in 2019 of a bunch of our older records and then we put out a record in 2017 maybe but yeah it, it's been a little bit
1: so this uh, this one, and of course, it's on available on Learning Curve Records. Uh, a cult that worships a god of death. How'd you come by that title? That's a, again sentence long band name, so you know how you roll. But sentence long album titles is like the frosting on the cake, huh?
0: Yeah, I, I think I was just uh, ranting about the nature of our country one night, and it yeah. it popped into the chat as I was typing, and I was like, hey, that might be a cool band name. <laughs> so I just kind of went with it
1: it's a it's a good one it it catches the attention it 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 catches the attention to be sure um did you have it uh what was the idea of like having that be like you know there's there's dark times equals dark themes was the idea with the record that the songs were going to suit the times or is that just kind of how it came out
0: actually you know we, we had written a lot of these songs before covid hit so uh you know some of the themes just like kind of lined up like there's a song about like going to the grocery store and just like not wanting to be around people and I actually wrote that before COVID (laughs) just because I'm an like extreme introvert yeah but uh, I mean it just it just fits with the times right so and yeah I think the past year or two has like elevated a lot of things like society problems like Everybody's thinking about this kind of stuff right now, just because yeah. of the state of the country and the world. So I think, you know, COVID or not, this stuff is around. You know,
1: as someone that has always loathed both shopping and specifically going to the grocery store, uh, yeah, I, I I wondered if that existed before COVID, but it, it that was before it became like a a game of a you know deadly tag or something, you know, like zombie invasion tag. Uh, yeah,
0: exactly. But but it,
1: it is funny because like that is something that that uh, that's a niche interest. But the folks that know know like yeah, I fucking hate that. <laughs> and then like now it's like oh yeah, that actually potentially deadly because of this chosen facts crowd. That hey mm-hmm. doesn't apply to me. la 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 la.
0: <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I mean the the band. I think the records have a serious image. And we kind of have like really like goofy personalities. We're all just like laid back regular people and we like smile while we play and we have a lot of fun. So I think there's sort of like a duality there. But I, you know, I think when putting on a record, I just, I don't want like a silly looking record. So I kind of have to put on my serious face.
1: Right. Well, and it's, and again, as much as it's, awesome it's to be like heavy crazy proggy sounding you know big dudes yelling energy music like it, it is very clear you guys are enjoying yourself and not in the way of like you know being the enemy of smiles or anything along those lines like it, it, you <laughs> know <laughs> it's
0: it's uh it comes it, across yeah we're, and we're like absolutely not like aggro macho dudes or yeah. anything like i'm more likely to give you a hug after the gig you know so yeah. but yeah um i mean some of the themes of the songs are kind of heavy even though we're kind of just goofy guys.
1: Yeah, yeah, and and I wanna I, I wanna get it like definitely dig into each song on the record and kind of have you tell me a little about them. But let's um, before, sure. before we get into that, um, did, did you how how did you come by? I feel like DalMart had an interesting story that I have forgotten. Like it, I mean, it's cool. It's cool looking. It looks it looks like to me it looks like a um, classic like paperback sci-fi. But mm, much, much yeah, like, like you know, kind of it, it, like not in that it looks like a specific artist, but looks like the kind of book that you're like, oh, yeah, let me get this uh, this Philip K. Dick book. And then, uh, oh, here's an earbitten ear- copy of Dune as well. And, you know.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, I've. I went to art school and I have like a ton of painter friends. And we have a pretty thriving local art scene here in San Antonio. So I always try to work with local artists and kind of find like pre-existing artwork that will fit our albums that uh, is like thematically appropriate. And I find that to be like a fun challenge really. And all, all of our all of our full links are like that. Um, it's just pre-existing artwork that I found. Um, but yeah, like I, I feel like I like want to support local artists a lot and you know, I think it. no one makes money off this kind of stuff, right? <laughs> right. So we might as well feature people we like really love and respect.
1: Get 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 it while you can, and uh, um, <laughs> celebrate each other as much as you can because it is a community. It's meant to be a community anyway.
0: That's the oh, idea. absolutely, and it's not just bands; it's also artists. You know, yeah. so but yeah, uh, the the painter that did the cover, his name is John Guzman. He he's a really cool up and coming uh, painter in San Antonio. He's actually leaving uh, Texas for an art residency, coming up pretty soon. So,
1: oh, good for him. really
0: exciting times for him actually. That is exciting. He won't be cheap next time. <laughs> that's,
1: that's, good for him. Now his price is going to go up. Bad for us. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the, uh, it's funny, I realized, too, that for whatever reason, it's, there was uh, sort of not a lot of Texas outfits on the show recently, and then this has been like a deluge recently, like uh, much mm, like it was pointed out pot. to me that like I had a bunch of Australian guests all kind of happen at once, which was like, oh, I guess I wasn't really thinking about it, but... Uh, but I don't think I've ever had anyone on the show from San Antonio. Now that I think about it, maybe yeah. not in a while at, at least. It's usually it's usually uh, you know like Austin tends to be mm-hmm. you know a lot of musicians there. I don't think well, I've San played Antonio San Antonio has, like, since like loose 2009. Noise yeah, yeah. I was gonna say so, but there is a, there is a world down there. I mean, what, do you, is that something that you're that you're connected to and have roots in? Like, what's
0: what's the what's yeah, the story like,
1: with San Antonio? <laughs>
0: Uh, one one of my uh, longtime collaborators, his name's Bob Catlin. Uh, his roommate is the old but, uh, Butthole Surfers bass player. Right. And so you know, Gibby Haynes went to college here. Uh, David Yow went to college here. Uh, I mean, they you know Butthole Surfers claim Austin, but a lot of those dudes are from here, and they recorded their first demos here in San Antonio. And um, you know, a couple of the scratch at scratch acid guys are from here.
1: Love scratch acid.
0: Uh, San Antonio is more known as like a metal town in the seventies and eighties. There were like metal DJs that really brought a lot of British bands over here, like the new wave of British heavy metal. Um, There was a DJ here in San Antonio that was kind of spearheaded that a lot. Um, But yeah, the, the noise rock thing was really mostly just like the bottle surfers. Uh, Everybody talks about them here. And of course we had taco land, which is like, just kind of like a, a legendary music video. Oh, of course, yeah. I, I everybody me- played that.
1: I remember Taco Land from Christ when Replicator was a band. I mean that that was oh. I mean, that was the that was the place yeah. to go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh and and then is there like is art is there uh is there an audience for kind of like weird, loud, crazy music now? I mean like without taking like the historical aspect across from it, like
0: well it's weird. San Antonio's real clicky and it's a metal town um if you sound like traditional metal people are gonna love you Uh, or if you just sound like indie rock people are gonna love you too Uh, we've always had sort of an issue with audience here we've really had to kind of like forge and create our own audience uh through the years and it's been tough but it's been really fruitful uh people definitely come out for our shows um but, you know, we've been a band for over a decade, and we've been, you know... <laughs> yeah. One would hope that, testing that our metal would come little out. Little yeah.
1: time, so. <laughs> I was going to say, you could fool them with your Sepultura cover, per, perhaps, but... Uh.
0: <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I was a metal kid, man. I grew up a metal kid. I loved Sepultura. And, you know, through my 20s, I was, like, too cool for it. But now that I'm in my 30s, I'm more comfortable, you know, in my own skin. Oh, I, sure. Uh, I fucking love Metal Dude. And I just like <laughs> I have no guilty pleasures anymore. They're only yeah. pleasures.
1: Pleasures only, exactly.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely.
1: Well and uh, and it's funny too, I actually disagree me. I watched a show this uh, television show, not a rock and roll show this this week that some time travel show that uh, they went back to the Alamo. I was like, Oh yeah, I forget how large like the Alamo like looms large in like certain amount of texas mythology but then by the same token i remember you know i'm i live in milwaukee but i'm a Bay area guy and everyone's like oh you know the golden gate bridge alcatraz like the only time i've ever gone there is to like take my friends who are visiting like that doesn't loom large at all (laughs) is that is that the same way with the alamo yeah i was was gonna say it kind of seems like it might be the case
0: yeah, yeah, the Alamo. Uh, San Antonio's known for the Alamo and the Riverwalk, and really nothing else. Yeah, like it's kind of sad that it's known as just like a tourist trap, but that's cool. Ozzy pissed on it, which is amazing. So,
1: <laughs> did he Did he really?
0: <laughs> yeah, he he pissed on the Alamo and he was banned from performing in San Antonio for a decade.
1: Wow, all right, yeah. good on yeah. you, Ozzy. <laughs> good stuff, good on you. Uh, I, I want to. I want to talk about how the fact that it's been it's been over a decade now. The you guys have been a band, right? It's been it's been over ten years. So, to a certain degree, <laughs> when bands get that sort of uh, longevity, you get to see kind of things come and go. You get to see things like rise up, fall, rise up again, fall again, so on and so on. Uh, whereas, by the same token, and by your own admission, you've had to sort of create your own world uh, in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you feel like that's something like who do you who do you consider musical uh, kin or, uh, you know, buddy bands or, or, or whatever you like, be it local or not? Sure.
0: Yeah. Uh, I mean, our our very best friends in San Antonio are the band Pinko. I'm sure you're aware they're on Hex Records. Love they're great. M- incredible musicians. Uh, Jared from Pinko used to be in my band. Love the guy. He was You probably met him in Louisville. Um, I I
1: believe so. But I also, it's one of those things where it's like, you you meet so many people that you're like, okay, Mm -hmm. I got to do a mnemonic to remember which band this guy's in. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Unless it's like uh, long or something where it's like, oh, it's very clear. I know exactly who you are because, you know, it's so different than everything else. It's like, oh, you're the one playing the cello, right? Okay, that's easy.
0: Yeah, yeah. And uh, Guillermo, the singer of Pinko, uh, he was in a band called Sons that we toured with for the first time in like 2007 or something like that so we've been long close friends with pinko uh other than that it's really mostly like austin noise rock bands Exhalants are good friends of ours uh the band glassing we've toured with they're really good friends um yeah san antonio's it's a it's a small scene right now it has its ebbs and flows and it's it's definitely in a lull right now in terms of like exciting heavy music. Right.
1: Well, and that's an opportunity, right? It's an opportunity for new bands sure, to pop in yeah. and We,
0: do we just cool got stuff. invited like before this uh conversation we just got invited to perform on Texas Public Radio, which is incredible. Fantastic. That's our, that's, yeah, that's our local uh, NPR station, so. Do you have
1: any uh, wild change up from that? Do you have do you have any specific cool story or anything with your with your Metal neck guitar.
0: <laughs> so, on, on the first night of our Japanese tour, uh-huh. we played in Yokohama. Uh, I got really excited because we we're playing in Yokohama, Japan. Uh, I throw it across the stage and I like snap two tuning pegs off the headstock. <laughs> first gig. We have a gig the next night.
1: <laughs> Fantastic. So,
0: yeah. So, I wake up real early the next day in Shinjuku. In a city I've never been. Yeah. And I have to run around Tokyo with like a chicken with my head cut off trying to find uh tuning pegs for this guitar before the gig. Uh it was incredible. And I found them and I met friends and it was a great experience.
1: That, that's yeah. that's quite the side quest. <laughs> yeah. It was
0: a major chapter one side quest of that uh, were, Japan tour.
1: Were you uh were you just kinda drunk on power with the idea of like, oh this this is pretty much an indestructible guitar. Check this out. Or were you even thinking that it It was just catharsis? Yeah.
0: I, I mean, stage presence sells t-shirts. Let's be (laughs) honest, right? On tour, (laughs) you want to like really be involved, but yeah, I always abuse my guitars and that's the reason why I bought EGC because really the only thing you can break on the damn thing are the, the tuning pegs. So yeah, I used to play a Les Paul and I would really abuse that thing. And uh, I don't want to beat it up anymore. It has too much, too much sentimental value. So right. uh, I tour with the EGCS, and I can beat them up all I want.
1: Yeah, there you go. There you go. It's, it's, and no. you never have to worry about flying with them. They're made of the same stuff as the airplane. So that's nice. <laughs> Basically. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think we've all known people that have had guitars snapped uh, in flights and things along those lines, and that's just that's
0: horrific. Absolutely. I've actually fixed... Gibson SG headstocks in hotel rooms in between gigs. So then they're done that.
1: It's just, it's just, I mean, stressed out just hearing you talk about it, man. It's like
0: <laughs> 3 a.m. with the Harbor Freight tools in the motel in the middle of Indiana somewhere.
1: Right. <laughs> mm-hmm. So did you have you have you seen the TV show of uh, Man in the High Castle? at all
0: okay so i watched the first two seasons and it was just like super mediocre and i kind yeah. of just checked out
1: because so, the book is like one of my favorite books of all time not just science fiction yes. book, but one of my favorite books and i was like i don't want to even watch this if it's not going to be everything i want it to be which is a me problem yeah. this happens a lot by the way
0: <laughs> yeah they lean heavily onto the uh, melodrama which is a total bummer
1: that is a bummer yeah. Uh, it, it, that is where the the band name comes from, right? From the Yeah. Okay. Yeah I, was, yeah. I was gonna say it's a pretty specific band name, so it would it would be it would surprise me if you said no. Um, mm-hmm. but uh which I guess we should maybe expound for the non sci fi nerds in the audience so that there's a like a book within a book.
0: <laughs> Philip K. Yeah, Dick Yeah, so Philip K. Dick, he's just one of the most prolific and interesting sci fi writers of the sixties, seventies and eighties. Uh, he wrote, like, you know, Do Androids Dream of Electric Cheap, yep. uh, which Blade Runner was based on. I was a huge Philip K. Dick fan in college. And yeah, it's kind of like a book within a book in uh, his book, The Man in the High Castle. It's, it's really interesting stuff. So, but yeah.
1: Yeah. And it's, uh, you know, it, it, there's, I feel like there's been some other stuff that sort of ripped that off that I've tried to to do that kind of thing but you know the idea is like it's an alternate history right like you know it's like hey mm-hmm. what if things had gone a little bit differently in world war ii and then like what would that world look like so on and so on right. uh the only thing i can think of that really is has done in, in as far as the book goes in such a cool and subtle way was they did a thing called um confederate states of america uh sometime oh, yeah. back, which i think was like hey it was a tv movie or a miniseries or something but i thought that was really well done because they even did like the commercials and stuff like that where it's like oh this is like if you kind of if you walk into a blind you're like what am I watching what is this exactly and then you're like oh okay I get it like it was just sort of like Mm. real real commitment to the bit as far as that goes did you have any reservations about picking a band name that long and esoteric Uh,
0: when I was in college no but I never (laughs) thought this stupid band would last for 15 years so I'm kind of stuck with it now (laughs) <laughs> I, I, I would, you don't have to like your own band's name, right?
1: Yeah, well, yeah, believe me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the well, at least it doesn't spell out Dick or something along those lines, you know. Like well, I guess that, oh, that would be would kinda be cool. But like, it, like I it, wish it did. if the acronym like was uh, was something cool, like that would be that'd be something. Um I, well the nice thing though, here but here's a turnaround, right? For everyone that is maybe not so stoked but having a really long band name probably not gonna be another band called that
0: true very true so
1: you, you get to be unique you get to be if somebody googles you that's what shows up
0: oh and <laughs> valis was already taken so there you, there you go
1: yeah and that's that's one where I heard that word before I ever read the book and I was like oh that's what that's from cool because I, yeah. I was like oh what does that mean is that Latin what is that
0: <laughs> yeah I don't know it's a pink uh, satellite yeah exactly exactly
1: uh, so I want to give uh, – I, I want to talk about the new record, but I also kind of want to talk about some of the old ones as well. Uh, I, I guess I'll start yeah. with um, – so oh, you did that this with Gay Witch Abortion. How did that how did that all come to pass? I thought that was the good record. I got that one.
0: Yeah, so like Minneapolis is basically like our second hometown. I mean we have bigger crowds there when we, than we do <laughs> in San Antonio. And, sure. you know, uh, Learning Curve is based out in Minneapolis too. I do so know that. every Every time we go up there <laughs> – uh, Reiner hooks it up. We have a great show.
1: Yeah,
0: and we, yeah, we just have a ton of friends up there. We played with Gay Witch Abortion a couple times, and I asked them to do a split, and they said yes, and it was great.
1: There you go. And that is the story of Jesus, but really, it's the story of rock and roll. Absolutely, uh, great band, and, and a, a band that kind of unique. Like they they got they got their they got their own thing going on.
0: You know, it's it's a their own
1: shared language. <laughs> Yeah, those guys
0: <laughs> I mean it's like a two piece uh and you know all, all, two pieces were really hot in the mid2000s uh, but they have like their own thing and it's like it's almost like John Bonham playing with like somebody Robert Fripp? like somebody from the locust or something oh yeah, it's yeah crazy. That's,
1: that's probably more accurate yeah you're right <laughs> <laughs> I was immediately going down the prog hole but uh I think I think you're more yeah that's for, for sure yeah they're they're a powerful band I, I like those dudes a lot.
0: Yeah, uh, sickest so, drummer too. That dude is insane.
1: Have you seen and or heard Novacron?
0: No, I've not. Oh. Well, I've heard of them, but I've never yeah checked them out.
1: Yeah, so that's Adam Marks of uh, Seahorse and and such, and uh, Paul from uh, Hammerhead and Vaz, and then get awesome. Sean on drums, and it's great. And that was the second to last show that one of the bands that played the second to last show before stuff changed with us so i got i got to see him play which was nice uh but yeah i don't think i think they maybe have something on like one of the like one of the learning curve compilations maybe if i remember correctly but i think that might be the only thing they've released
0: but yeah it, i think they may have been on one of the whole hostage compilations yeah that yeah probably. exactly oh.
1: Yeah. You should check them out, bro. They're pretty good. Yeah, dude. <laughs> uh, So talk to me about All Sadness grinning into flow. That's um, six, 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 seven years back, some, somewhere along those lines. Uh, yeah, that
0: was our like first record on Learning Curve, actually. Um, so we shoved that one around because I really wanted to put that on on vinyl. Yeah, that was – uh, I was listening to like a lot of kraut rock back then, like Popol Vuh, Tandering Dream kind of stuff. So, the the first, the entire A side is basically one long song. And then the B side, it's like, more broken up, but I, it's still I, I, all instrumental and super delay and reverb, trippy stuff.
1: I like that you had know, the audacity to call
0: it marathon, too. That was good.
1: <laughs> if you're going to have absolutely. a long ass song, call it. It's a marathon, man.
0: <laughs> yeah. The last thing I do is title songs because I'm awful at it. So, yeah, there you go. <laughs> how,
1: do you re- how do you refer to them when you're in it, still in the process of having them become songs? Do they just have like working titles or is it just like, ah, the yeah. one that goes, nah, 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 that one?
0: I give them silly names usually mm. and then they get like the serious names for when the album comes out, <laughs> but we still call them the silly names. Like, yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> silly
1: yeah. Uh, that one's got a good uh, paperback sci-fi used bookstore sort of, sort of vibe to the, t- uh, the album art as well. Like it's got, it's got kind of like, what is this? Hmm. I don't know, kind of. Yeah. That like was
0: album. my uh, ex-girlfriend, uh, my girlfriend at the time. Uh, local artist named Megan Fest. She uh, embroiders like postcards.
1: Oh, cool. Yeah, really cool. Okay, yeah. So, like, yeah. The,
0: the front of the album is the front of the postcard, and the back of the album is the back of the postcard.
1: That's awesome. Yeah, that, that's a very specific and unique composition style because since you don't have much retail space to work with, <laughs> like, you have right. to kind of like, th- there's certain things that maybe you wouldn't do if you were do make it, I don't know, like, Working as a, like a On a banner Or like a, You know Gigantic canvas Or something along those lines
0: Yeah And I feel like Our name's so long that It's hard to like We're never gonna have Like a cool logo Or anything So like <laughs> We really just like Want to have like Exciting visuals For the artwork You know Like good yeah. art You know I, I'd like labor over Finding the right art For our albums What
1: if you had A grasshopper And he was lying Heavy Because he like Ate a bunch of food And no
0: yeah, no, 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 no. A, a local magazine did that, and I'm I sure paid they did.
1: <laughs> Yeah, it's like,
0: yeah, guys, all right,
1: this is the, the literalist translation of the thing. Huh? That's what we're doing. All right.
0: It's like Friday after lunch decision. Yeah,
1: exactly. <laughs> like, ah, uh, we need, We need an image. No, no. Yep. Make make a grasshopper, and he's just he's he's engorged himself with with deliciousness. God bless him. <laughs> Uh, yeah. And you got the, um, so then you got the, uh, cavern. Right. So that's, yeah, that was uh, a little later. So, that was, that was actually kind of about when you, I think that wasn't, you kind of first came to my attention, which was, I want to say it was 2017.
0: Yeah. I think it was 2017. Yeah. Yeah. I met a local filmmaker uh, named Dave Sims. We worked at the same company and, uh, he was making really cool short films and he approached me about it and, it was, it was a lot of fun. I collaborated with my friend Bob that I mentioned. His his roommate is the butthole surfer's bass player. Uh, yeah, we just spent like three weekends together like smoking a lot of marijuana and just like <laughs> playing with synthesizers and shit. And it was, it was tons of fun. Bob has a bunch of invented instruments that he has, like a log with a bass pickup. Nice. Uh, so yeah, we got a lot of cool organic sounds on that record. And it was... It was a ton of fun.
1: Was it a different experience doing something as, like, a score versus, you know, making making an album? Like, what kind of things were you thinking that were a part of the process? Like, did you have the movie to look at ahead of time, or was it something like <laughs> make the music yeah, first? Yeah, he was still,
0: like, doing. editing it, but yeah. I had, like, an uncut version. So, like, I watched different scenes, and I was like, oh, this scene should have, like, a rockin' riff, or this scene should just have, like, synth drone. Yeah. And then, you know, we got together, and... uh we kind of just played played it on a monitor as we did it, and uh, yeah, it worked out great, man. It was it was a really organic experience. I was stressed about doing it, but yeah. it just came like freely. It was awesome.
1: It's something where I'm always curious about that. I'm always I'm always kind of most curious about finding out like what works and what doesn't with that kind of thing because I am such a fan of film, and but I'm also. I think it's almost the best. Kind of scores are not necessarily going to be first and foremost the thing you think about. Like it's there to like serve the overall presentation. Meaning, there's some scores I love, but it's like, oh, that's almost distracting, and that it's like, oh, wow, that's cool. Where do you come up with that?
0: And absolutely,
1: unless yeah. the movie's pretty amazing, John Carpenter, then you're maybe not going to feel that way. But
0: <laughs> well, luckily, this movie had very little dialogue. So it was really like a lot of a blank canvas. And I just had to like set the tone properly, you know?
1: It, it so. almost seemed like it'd be a cool thing to like have playing and then have like the live accompaniment or something along with it, just because it was so, uh, I mean, do you remember back in, God, that was such a early 2000s thing where all the post-rock bands like, oh, we just, we're gonna play a film while we while we play our songs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay, cool. Oh, I did that, yeah. 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 That, that was that was pretty, that was pretty common. That was that was, which I'm not against it. I was like, oh, that's cool. There's something to focus on rather than you know, watching dudes like with the guitars hiked up here, tip tapping away. You know, that's nothing wrong with that. But
0: yeah, uh, I mean, I'm not against that. Uh, it's, like I said, stage presence is everything. So yeah. if if you have no stage presence, do something else. You know, flashing lights. I don't know.
1: Absolutely. I I think back to uh, were you familiar with that band Thirty One Knots from Portland? You know them at all mm. uh first we used to play them a lot and, I, and first couple times i saw him it's like oh wow the music's really great it's like oh but this is definitely some plinky plunky prog stuff and it's like okay and then like i don't know what happened but next time i saw him like joe was just like flailing around and, and but he's also like you know really controlled you know kick-ass like uh playing but i found a way to like make it a, like an exciting live show as well i was like oh that's awesome because there, there weren't really a lot of bands that like are doing that delicate kind of fret work but also thrashing them mm-hmm. out. It, it was, it was a nice, uh, you know, incongruent element that, that worked.
0: Oh, absolutely. So that's a story about uh, how I'm,
1: 31 knots there. So you're welcome.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm not that good. So when I flail around and make mistakes, but again, I, I feel like again, stage presence trumps musicianship in that moment, you know?
1: Well, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, and that's something where you're giving someone a show. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So, give him a show. <laughs> yeah. See, and you, so you made that collection that was the um, all the various splits and things that you did. That that was ostensibly for a tour, right? You put that together for a tour, and originally, and that was like, what well, was like, hey, let's share this with the world. This is a good little intro. Yeah.
0: Deal. Well, we're, we're like vinyl freaks, right? Yeah. And in America, people love vinyl. But in Japan, people don't really collect vinyl. People are still on CDs over there. So we wanted to bring something over there. Sure. Uh, that we could, we could actually sell. Because, you know, we did bring a suitcase full of vinyl, and we only sold a few. But oh, so, yeah, I decided yes. to make these
1: <laughs> CDs. Cause... We only
0: made, like, 100. Uh, and we did it, like, a Japan, limited edition. And people love them. Uh, it's bilingual on in the liner notes and stuff. That's awesome. Yeah, it was awesome.
1: How that all, how that all come to pass? Was that this like a band goal for, Hey, let's go play. Playing Japan would be a cool thing to do. Let's do
0: that. Well, I always wanted to like, you know, get out of America and I still yeah. want to do some, you know, European tours and stuff. Uh, so yeah, it was kind of like a, a goal, but when our newest drummer, Steven joined the band and uh, maybe 2018, uh, he he had actually done a Japan tour with his previous band, which was a post rock band uh, called Bright Like the Sun, and so he still had a relationship with their tenor- tour manager, so it was pretty easy to just like be like, "Hey, we want to do a Japan tour." Yeah, and he liked our stuff, and uh, yeah, it, it fell together like really easily. Um, we kind of lost our asses on that tour because it was you know it was it was one of those exploratory first tours where you go out. And you start the network. You know what I mean? Yeah. On the next tour, planting uh, seeds. <laughs> hopefully, it'll be a little more.
1: Yeah, uh, where where you're, you're the idea is okay. Then now we're gonna come back in, you know a couple years and like maybe a few of those people that we saw like are are gonna come out. They're gonna bring some friends. Like you know they'll build some build some uh, roots. Build some roots. Grow some roots from the seeds that were planted. Yeah.
0: Yeah, we, and we made a lot of friends in bands. Uh, I actually want to bring some of those bands over here to the States once, sure. you know, we're out of the apocalypse. But yeah, it, it was really, you know, I met a lot of venue managers. I met a lot of booking agents. And uh, yeah, I, I have a little bit of a network there now. So when I do choose to go back and do another eight tour dates, uh, it won't cost me a fortune, you know? I won't have to hire a tour manager or booking agent. I'll do it myself. There you go. I've done it. I've done it that way for 15 years, you know? Yeah, yeah.
1: Well, and I was going to say, other than trying to find tuning pegs in a city you're unfamiliar with, what were the uh, any misconceptions versus perceptions that, that you had before going in versus after?
0: Um, I, I, honestly, traveling abroad just kind of, like, poisoned my opinion of America because going over there you just feel like you're 50 years into the future yeah like it's like walking into the sci-fi utopian future um we didn't have to drive anywhere you know i just took my guitar around in a gig bag and we took the bullet train to all the gigs you know flying 200 miles per hour on the ground yeah um there the doing gigs in Japan is really cool. There's there's like a level of professionalism in the venues that you don't see over here. Um there's like a real great sense of community at the shows too because the manager of the venue will get everybody together and he'll introduce everyone and everybody meets them before the show like before even the sound checks. And then every band gets a sound check and there's like even at the like the little dive bars there's like two sound engineers the whole time and they, they record, record every gig. gig it's it's incredible like the whole the whole experience was just great
1: that's awesome and i mean did you find the the like was there a language barrier problem or anything along those lines or was it all pretty a little romantic.
0: bit uh our tour manager helped there a bit but i think we could have gotten away with it without it just with technology just because uh google translate is great you can just take a picture of the sheet they give you when you walk in, translate it. And a lot of people know enough English to help you when you're like lost. And I knew like a little teeny bit of Japanese, like, so I could, you know, get around and stuff. Um, that, that, I mean, it was a challenge, but it wasn't nearly as big of a challenge as I expected it to be.
1: Yeah. That's awesome. I mean, that's, you know, it's, I've, no no many that have. I have never played a show outside of the u s except for one Southeastern Canadian tour, so I'm always eager to kind of pump people for information as to whether it was whether it was awesome or not or maybe more uh, typically how was it awesome specifically go into detail. thank you.
0: I mean, you absolutely have to do it if you have the opportunity. I mean, lose that money do it. You only live once uh
1: so. And you got you got a couple things there was a Jesus lizard cover that predated the record was that was that recorded around the same time or was that kind of like a hey, here's the thing while we get the other thing ready kind of situation actually uh,
0: there there's a secret there that 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 we released that last year, but it was actually on a hard drive for like three years. <laughs> <laughs> we, did, we didn't have any vocals on
1: Oh okay. uh,
0: but we decided to get uh, our friends in Capra. Uh, They just got signed to Metal Blade. They're, like, a really great hardcore band. Uh, Their singer, Crow, I asked her to do vocals on it, and she was absolutely perfect for it. And I'm, like, so glad that that cover song, like, stayed on hard drive for three years before I resurrected it because she was perfect for it.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's a a cool cover because it's sort of, I mean, I enjoy covers that are faithful to the original. It's always nice when there's, like, something kind of different that's sort of like, oh, that's cool. I can, no, interesting. Kind of makes you think about the song in a different way.
0: Yeah, well, she kind of retextualizes it because True. you know she's a girl. It kind of makes it sound like it's about some kind of neckbeard dude or something, you know.
1: <laughs> Precisely. Yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> Which is great. I mean, it's, it's 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 a rich topic. There's there's a lot of uh, <laughs> there's a lot of ground to cover there.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, we did a couple COVID singles. That one and the Subculture cover. We're actually working on another one right now with another guest singer. I don't want to announce it yet, but it's really cool. I'm super excited. So very cool. Excited to hear that.
1: So then why don't we do this? Uh, we can go through a cult that worships a god of death, right? And just sure. Go through each of the songs. You could tell me a little bit about each one, you know, whether it's uh, you know, lyrical inspiration arrangements, where the title came from, something you remember recording it, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, just kind of give people a, a glimpse of this awesome record that you put out. Oh,
0: uh-huh. Two kinds.
1: So, you you start off with the that kind of slow burn. I guess you got to give it if you want it to be differentiated in the aggregators and things like that. You got to give give it a, a title, right? So, but it's not a titled mm. song. It's like the intro to the the. It's like the THX sound, but like two minutes. You know that kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's it's like the hill
0: at the top of right. the roller coaster <laughs> yeah, before we exactly, get out. Exactly, yeah.
1: exactly. Um, Every great album has that. Did 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 you have the idea that you wanted kind of a cinematic intro like that uh, from from the jump?
0: No, uh, I actually uh, we had put the record together and I needed like three minutes for side A, so I was like, hey, I'll just <laughs> throw an intro on it. Pragmatism, <laughs> my friend.
1: Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah, I've
0: I've got a pile of synthesizers over here, so I was oh, like, hey, I'll yeah, yeah. synthesizers on the record, so. Yeah, it's just scary synthesizers and guitar, really.
1: Yeah, well, and it, it's it's a good mood setter, you know. It lets you know that like something ominous is about to happen, so that's always nice, you know.
0: Yeah, and if you don't like it, you can just skip it and go to track two.
1: <laughs> which which we have already talked about the act of buying groceries, which uh, is, is for some of us a bit of a a bit of a chore, and that's in non COVID times. Uh, so talk to me about that one. It, it, it was the as someone who also likes to write songs about things that annoy him uh why did why did that come to mind
0: yeah i i I feel like really goofy doing like super serious lyrics just because i'm not a super serious guy Mm -hmm. and so i take a lot of inspiration from like self-deprecating lyricists uh like that dude from piss jeans i think he's like one of the best lyricists of like our time and uh so yeah i kind of like took a piss jeansy approach to a the lyrics on a couple of these songs and uh yeah that song is just about how like i don't want to be talked to at the grocery store like so (laughs) but that one's like really uh a collection of like riffs that i had had on the back burner for a long time and just like it's just one of those things where all the riffs come together and i thought i needed vocals so i did vocals on it you know uh vocals are really something that like come last in my songwriting process Uh, like if a song needs it i'll do it but if a song doesn't need it i'll absolutely not do
1: it does it come before or after the title normally i'm sorry does the title inform the words or the other way around
0: uh no uh when i write lyrics it's really uh rhythmic so i'll just like throw in like syllables and then like sometimes the syllables will start like coming together and making sense i'm just barking really you know what i mean (laughs) so yeah the lyrics are really secondary honestly it's more about the rhythm of the barks
1: yeah, I call it, I call that the Stooges school of uh, <laughs> of vocals yeah. because that's totally that's what Iggy did and it was like, oh yeah, well and it makes sense when you think about the fact that well his first his first instrument was the drums, so of course he was thinking that way, right? Mm-hmm. But yeah, when you when you're in a I think when you're a riff based band that can serve you you very well. Uh, the how do you know when how do you know which riffs fit together? Do you just like just do it till it sounds good or what?
0: Yeah, and if they don't really sound good, sometimes I'll just do like dumb tricks until it works. You know, <laughs> like I always do like gaps in songs, like yeah. a two beat gap, and then we just jump back in. And sometimes the gap is like the perfect trick, or or I'll just do like a little interlude with just a guitar, and then the whole band comes in, and then it works. Uh, I'll sometimes I'll just like crowbar them into each other and make them work.
1: Well, or, it, like like the band crowbar. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> And like honestly, when I'm writing music, I don't like know what I'm doing. So a lot of times, I'll just write riffs until like they sort of just sound similar, or they like start on the same note, and I'll be like, "Oh, these two will be a great song." So.
1: Well, and you're talking about like having those breaks too. Sometimes when you're when you're in a band, that's kind of you know you know pummeling like you know or to have like uh, an absence, you know, to, to take something away, even even if just for like like a half second. <laughs> it actually can mean more for the th- thing that comes next Because it's like, oh, okay
0: Yes, you absolutely need that When you're in a band like that And especially like uh, instrumental songs uh, I love like prematurely ending a song And then everybody thinks it's over And they like start clapping And then like you just jump right back in And it like messes everyone's brains up Yeah That makes me very happy
1: Yeah, that's, I mean, it's whatever Some might, some might say it's a it's a cheap trick But it's not that cheap <laughs> if it works
0: Yeah, I mean, I always write songs and, like, weird time signatures. Like, most of the records in, like, 7, 8 or 5, 4. I think my brain's just broken like that. I don't mean to. Mm. It just happens that way. Uh, But, yeah, the idea of, like, giving people, like, a groove they can, like, bob their head to, but at the same time, like, reversing upstrokes and downstrokes, kind of like dumb masuga. you know, that kind of stuff really interests me. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> i'm changing the band name that's a better band name
1: it's kind of and it kind of works even if you don't know who those guys are but it's all the better if you do where, where yeah where it's like oh yeah i know exactly what he's talking about <laughs> uh yeah so th- th- and there's a I th- you got a cool video for that one too if i remember correctly right that's the uh
0: yeah, the groceries video is uh, a compilation of all the Japan shows, so we had our friend Oscar come along with us do photo and video, and uh, yeah, he got a lot of cool footage, and uh, we got some Japanese mosh pits in there. Yeah, I was going
1: to say, it's it's anytime you can get a Japanese mosh pit, you're you're doing all right. Was, was the idea that you were going to be filming it for a thing, or was it just like, hey, let's just document this cool thing that we're doing? Well, like, like, the
0: worst thing in the world is, like, going on tour and then coming home and then, like, seeing that no one took photo or video of it. (laughs) So, like, I really wanted to make sure that happened on this tour. So we just asked our buddy Oscar, and he immediately jumped at the opportunity. We had cheap flights, and we did it.
1: Uh, What's the footage? Do you have any footage pre-tuning pegs getting short off?
0: Uh, Yokohama was the first night. Uh, no. There, there, the the there might only be like ten seconds of yoga on the footage from that one. We were all just like s- sleeping, standing up at that night, so it wasn't the greatest kick. That <laughs> uh, jet lag is like insane. Yeah,
1: and that's a boy. That that's a pretty big time difference too, right? Thirteen hours. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a that's a that's a lot of time difference. So um, yeah, and, and that was just kind of like a. I think we I think we talked about that already, but you, that wasn't like you know a planned stage antic. That was just something that kind of happened. Uh, no, I just it, like right? do that
0: kind of dumb stuff. Uh, yeah. Like I love jumping into the crowd and like plowing into people and then, like starting wash pits yeah. that way, or like jumping on stage. I, I like sticking the guitar in the ceiling and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean it sells t-shirts and it looks really cool, and I'm stupid.
1: <laughs> Wild antics. I I'm a fan. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so anything else? Anything else for groceries before we move on?
0: Uh, it's just like a really fun riff. Like I love writing short riffs that repeat on the upstroke. Uh, you, that's probably a common thing in our songs. But uh, yeah, seven eight riffs, tons of fun.
1: Do you have a? And you said that's something that just kind of comes more naturally to you, um, for whatever reason. Did did is that? are you a big time signature guy? Like I'm, I'm thinking back to like, and I've told this story a few times in this show, so people are not going to want to hear it. But like, I saw this <laughs> band uh, that I was not there to see with a band that I was there to see. And they were, they were like, Oh, uh, you probably are aware that all of these songs we're playing are not in standard four, four time signatures. <laughs> and I was just oh, like, Oh my God. Yeah. This, yeah like he, and the guy was like made a special point of like giving like a little like thesis, between between each song about like you know why they show and it was like dude no, there's four people at the show and nobody cares
0: <laughs> yeah um I'm not like some kind of like jazz dude I don't know anything about scales I barely know how to play my guitar uh, I just write broken <laughs> riffs I don't know it, it I think it sounds cool so I just keep doing it
1: you're not like you're not like music theory guy but it's like well if you put this inverted whatever over a syncopated
0: I also can't write a pop song to save my life so like more power to anybody that can write a normal song in 4-4 like first chorus first chorus I can't do it
1: fair enough fair enough well you're you're doing you and that's what's important yeah uh, Charging Bull
0: uh, Charging Bull's a fun one I mean these are like riff songs so when I think about these like I think about like parts and the right. first part is like fun. this like really like schizophrenic riff that like we play forwards a couple times and then the second two times we play it backwards. Um, and then we like shorten the riff and stuff. It's just kind of like a, like a really weird, like proggy riff salad. I don't even know how to describe it. It's pretty metal. But yeah, the, the it, lyrically it's about, you know, money is God basically kind of yeah. thing, you know? But, uh, yeah, that one's like really about the riffs for me. Um, and then like the second half of the song is completely different. It goes from like pummeling to like the slow like post rock, almost like Tortoise David Paho thing. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. I was I, I was I was, uh, I was gonna reference a different band, but I, I can totally hear that. I could. It's got that. <laughs> there was a. Um... Yeah, yeah. I, I know exactly what you're talking about. There, 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 there's a term for that that it's escaped me right now, and I, I thought about it earlier, but I almost didn't sleep at all because we had a tornado in the middle of the night and uh i'm like still nice. kind of woozy about it yeah it's my my first tornado experience since living in milwaukee and being a california boy you know earthquakes you don't get any warning but tornadoes you do so it's like oh go to the basement i'm like what oh, okay mm-hmm. grab the cats uh, uh anyway that's my that's my excuse for why i can't remember the term i'm thinking of but yeah it's got that kind of, <laughs> it's that thing where it's it's yeah kind of starts off bold and 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 brash and kind of gets a little more like surreptitious as as time goes on
0: yeah i i don't even know why that song works but people people love that tend to like really like that song like that's their favorite from the record but yeah the second half is just like super quiet like clean guitars no distortion um but yeah it just works i don't even know how i wrote it
1: (laughs) (laughs) fantastic how did i do this thank god we're talking about it in detail
0: (laughs) yeah what's wrong with me
1: uh fourth song Tennessee
0: Tennessee Tennessee is a song about touring uh we were we wrote it uh we had this disastrous show in Clarksville Tennessee uh, on tour with our friends Ghost Police which are a hardcore band from here rest in peace Ghost Police but we played this New Year's Eve show at like a cafe slash art studio that was run by this like majestic drag queen like zero percent body fat six foot seven just like beautiful man mm-hmm. um and it was a spirit animal party so everybody was dressed up in these like dumb costumes and some kids showed up and gave everybody acid so the entire crowd was oh just like <laughs> electrified on lsd and we go up there and play and they're just, like, absolutely still. It's just, like, no movement. They hated us. And then Ghost Police went on after us. And they're a very confrontational band. Right. They're, the singer is, like, Eugene from Oxbow. He's going gotcha. to get in his tidy whiteies and he's going to screw in people's faces. Yep. I and want my money yeah, back again, if those every- things
1: don't happen, you know?
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, Everybody was just stone-faced. They hated us. And people were <laughs> – this lady walked up to us after we were done playing, and she, like – she took Stephen from Ghost Police Hand. She's like, I am so glad you guys are done playing. <laughs> uh, and, yeah, it was Tennessee, it was a horrible place, and I wrote a song about it. It's really just about the frustrations of, like, you know, like driving eight hours and playing to ten people.
1: Right, which anybody at a – you know, anybody who's ever played in a touring band that's not super well-known – Uh, knows well as evidenced by Eric's fantastic documentary uh, that that came out recently. It's a unified experience of frustration and what's the title of it? Why am I doing this? You know, yeah. What am I doing with my life?
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I felt like that, that, that film was like group therapy for all of us losers. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) No, I mean, I love touring and it's just, you come back with so many stories and it's, I feel like touring is like life concentrate things happen. Like so many things happen per day mm-hmm. and you're, you're, you're just like every day is filled with things and you get no sleep and yeah. it's like the weirdest summer camp ever. I don't know. I don't know how to describe it. It's, it's definitely sadomasochistic and um, unhealthy, but it's a lot of fun.
1: Uh- yeah, yeah, and so was there a thought towards having that one for for, for placement? Like, was there was there a thought towards like ah, this is more like a because that that's into site A, right? So, uh,
0: there's one more song. In no, time. there's one more.
1: There's, I'm thinking of uh, yeah, yeah. You know what? I'm I'm counting. I'm I'm counting wrong. So um, but there's a well. The reason why I bring it up is because you mentioned that you have the the, the intro piece was to was like time based, right? Like you want you wanted to have it like oh hey the, the time. We we want it to balance, <laughs> right? Yeah, so yeah. so let's let's have the intro. Uh, and if you're are you thinking about things in terms of sequencing when you're when you're yeah, together? absolutely.
0: I find that like really diff- difficult, and I I think a lot about the album listening experience, which I don't think a lot of people care about nowadays. Mm-hmm. But I personally I try to be like as active of a musical of a music listener as I can. Like I'll put a record on the turntable and sit yeah. on the couch and just actively listen to it. And I think that's yeah. an experience that very few people have nowadays. So I, I put a lot of value into like the side, a flip side B experience, you know, and, and the song flow of the record. I like I, I think I care about that more than I care of like the CD. You know what I mean? Yeah, I want yeah. the flip to matter. Like, um, I love Pink Floyd and they did an album called Metal, which is like my favorite Floyd record. Uh Inside B is just like one long song. Inside A is all the pop songs. And I love that division. Like it's yeah. the same band, but it's very, you know, polar opposites, you know. Yeah, that's that's and, my uh, that's
1: my favorite Pink Floyd album, by the way, for, for what it's worth. it should be. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> like how 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 can you and how can anyone be mad at Echoes, man? It's Echoes. Like
0: Echoes on. is incredible. <laughs> uh, I, I attribute like a lot of my musical interest into like my mom playing that stuff around me. when I was a little kid, you know, six, seven, eight years old, listening to echoes, you know,
1: know that feel man, know that feel. So (laughs) let's, let's talk about the song that I apparently mentally redacted uh pastor's pockets,
0: which actually
1: ends Saturday.
0: Yeah. That one's kind of like a, it's another riff song, but we, We use, like, two guitar tunings in the band. One's kind of, like, just drop B. Okay. Tuned a little lower, drop C sharp. With this one, uh, it's, like, how Chavez did it in the 90s.
1: Yeah, Clay Tarver. Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah. I love EBGDAA. And so, like, there's two or three songs on this record that use that tuning. And this one, it's just, like, a riff monster. It's real dumb. Like, just the bottom two strings. And uh, we just make fun, heavy metal riffs do you find that
1: the using the different uh, using different tunings can kind of lead to more interesting like riff discovery, like make kind of like, kind of like, Oh, I haven't heard that before. Oh wow. That sounds like vaguely like this, but not in that way. Kind of, kind of situation.
0: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I love uh, using different tunings. Um, I use Dagdad a lot on my acoustic guitar. You know, I come up with a lot of pretty stuff on there. Yeah. It's just like, um, I don't know. I, I just, I just grab a guitar and try to do something unique each time with it. And if it's a dumb tuning, I mean, so I, would, I, I have like some really crazy tunings on some of the older records. I would have to like write them on gaffer tape and stick them on the back of the headstock because I like never remember them.
1: A.K.A. the Sonic Youth method. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. <laughs> otherwise you'd be yeah. like, what is it? Is it F sharp? What, what What? was this again exactly? Yeah. <laughs>
0: or you could go the part chip method and just do G, 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 G. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That works great.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's it's uh it, it it it's an aesthetic and it and they were they, yeah. they, they wear it well. <laughs> works for them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Good 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 for those dudes. They they've they stumbled onto a specific type of hilarious stupidity that is wonderful. <laughs> I think it's fantastic. <laughs> it's like I, I don't know how exactly they they came to it. Did we talk about that? I don't remember if we did or not, but like I love it. Yeah. Good for you guys. That's awesome. <laughs> <And> <laughs> most would not dare to do something like that. Most would, you know, be afraid to. And you just just full on celebrate the stupid and I freaking adore it. <laughs>
0: Absolutely. Well, I think Lee Ronaldo did the same thing and um, some of the Sonic yeah. all the strings same tune the same note.
1: Yeah, yeah. The the, the true there is some precedent for it, but but the, the one of the things I like about Park Chimp is that like they do that, but they instigate the uh, as Tim calls it, silly little riffs as well. Uh, rather than just like the sound, like Sonic Youth is more sound than than um, than riffs in a lot of cases. Not always. Don't write me about this, people. But uh, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> that's 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 enough about it. That's enough about Part Champ. Um, yeah. So side B, you got a sweet. You got a sweet on this one. So you have the yeah. Uh, it, it's a one. I can't stay away from
0: my Pink Floyd influences.
1: <laughs> I guess. <laughs> so, damn it! You, you you beat me to the punch. I was gonna make a Pink Floyd reference, but. It's fine. That's that's okay. Um yeah, so uh, if you're going to have an audacious title, have an audacious suite of songs.
0: <laughs> did yeah, you think of them uh, as different so, songs
1: before they came on or I'm sorry? Did you think of them as different songs before they were put together or is it like how did that all come to pass? Cuz there's part 1 through 4.
0: Yeah. Oh, uh, cult parts 1 through 4. Yeah, yeah I just I wrote the first part of the song and I was like, man, this needs more. And we just kept adding it on and it ended up being nine minutes. So I thought it would be cute. It's in like four like chunks. Yeah, so it, I thought it'd be cute to do that. Yeah.
1: Well, that's why I was asking if it was more like are these four songs that just all kind of, you know, got chained together or, or was it?
0: I think they're just so thematically similar that it just made sense to come all together as one piece. I don't think I'd play them separately. You know, like at a gig.
1: Right. You, you think of them as like a combined entity.
0: Yeah, totally. Total.
1: Did you uh how do you feel about title tracks? Do you think that like that's I know people that are like vehemently against title tracks, which is, I think is a hilarious position to take. And there's some people that don't think about it at all ever. And some people I mean, they do it every every album and it's a thing.
0: Naming the album and naming the songs is so late on my things to do. Like I'm pretty sure I named that song like right before I finalize the like liner notes or something like that. I mean it might sound flippant, but it's like really difficult for me to do.
1: I'm just curious about the organizational aspect of it. Like I mean you say you give them these temporary these temporary names, right? So is is yeah. like to what specificity does that involve? Like how, how do you delineate in your own mind like which 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 parts go where? Like are you, are you like slint bit, <laughs> Jesus lizard bit, you know like what
0: yeah. It's a challenge uh, like Because, you know, the new song is always the new song The new song, right? yeah, and then it's not
1: the new song anymore What do you call it? Well, we already got a new song It can't be the new song, it can yeah. be new song too, I guess
0: Yeah, exactly We've done that multiple times <laughs> uh, Yeah, I'm just really bad at it Yeah, so, like, for example, like uh, That song, Charging Bull I just called it, like, commun- Communist Grandpa For, like, a year Before I changed the name But I was like, oh, that's too silly Yeah. So I'm gonna change it but I kind of regret changing it.
1: Communist and Grandpa is uh, pretty good too, though. But
0: yeah, yeah charging I bull is also that. good. So <laughs> it's like a stock market reference, you know, the charging bull on Wall Street. Ah, uh,
1: yeah, yeah. It's dumb. It's a, there's a, there's See, a... when I
0: try to get deep, it's just stupid. <laughs> I just feel so stupid.
1: <laughs> Why? Well, I didn't think about that, but also like that's not
0: the first place that
1: that I'm gonna go. Always, like I mean, I, I'm always kind of looking for deeper meaning and stuff like that. But like sometimes, like something things are more apparent than others, and sometimes you'd be like, "Oh, sure, okay, that makes sense. I didn't think about that." You know. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Anyway, so that so that's the suite that's called the Worship's God of Death parts one through four, and then uh, Bullet Curtain.
0: Yeah, Bullet Curtain's a song we had for a long time. We actually had canned it. And then we kind of like rewrote parts of it and put it back together. We played it at PRF Barbecue Lou that you were at. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then we didn't play it for like a year after that because we played that song on that tour and we saw that people would go refill their drinks and stuff. So I was like, why are we, why are <laughs> we playing the song? The song sucks. No one likes it. But yeah, we, we kind of brought it back from the dead for this album and re recorded right. it. And it ended up being like one of my favorites on the album. Yeah, it's good. Like, one. I think it came out really good. So. Yeah.
1: I I didn't get.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's it's like the post rock record on the album, and I think it's in four four. Mm. So, it's the four four song. So there also. you go, music theorists. Suck <laughs> yeah, there
1: you go. <laughs> oh, you may have noticed that this song. Yeah. uh I think that's an evocative title too. I know you say you don't give like too much thought to them, but I thought that was an evocative. Oh, bullet title. curtain.
0: Yeah. What, is, what, what does that evoke for you?
1: Well, I'm thinking uh, not, not not like the literal translation of it being like a curtain made out of bullets, like where there's bullets in, instead of beads. I don't think of that yeah. so much as just there being so much gunfire that it looks like an actual curtain blotting out the sun, like in a war or something along those lines.
0: See, that's good uh, because I just think it's dumb. <laughs> I glad somebody <laughs> glean some uh, meaning out of it.
1: And actually, if you actually had a one of those '70s beaded curtains, but it was bullets, that would be interesting as well. That would be that would be a statement without saying a word.
0: Butterfly wings too.
1: <laughs> Boo. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, last, last, so last song on the record. I've never heard it said aloud. I don't speak the language. Can you?
0: Oh, it's a soundtrack in Japanese. Is this Okay. It was our soundtrack song.
1: (laughs) That's funny. So I found
0: out that um, uh, Cheap Trick Mm -hmm. had a song that was like their soundtrack song, and it would just start with the guitar, and then the drummer would come in, and the bass player would come in, and then the singer would come in. And that's kind of how they would soundtrack when they were, like, opening on tour for other bands. Yeah. So I kind of did that. That was kind of like our soundtrack song on our Japanese tour. And so I just wrote it in soundtrack in Japanese. You know.
1: That's awesome. <laughs> and yeah. practical
0: as well. I like it. <laughs> yeah, it works out for, well, the Japanese shows were, like, so prepared that it didn't really work out as a soundtrack. But yeah. in the States where the sound guy just, like, doesn't care about your band, right. it's great because it'll actually, like, try to level things out
1: putting in the, the, the legally required minimum amount of effort to to do the job and then it's going to wander away
0: yeah before the smoke break yeah. <laughs>
1: exactly <laughs> parentheses before the smoke break and then parentheses mm. after the smoke break
0: <laughs> 30 minute smoke break aka my set <laughs> yeah exactly
1: there's a song title for you it's a, that's a little too goofy I guess 30 minute smoke break <laughs> there it is uh, so that's that's a cult that worships a god of death you can find that on learning curve records learning curve.com yes. you can also get it on the grasshopper lies heavy dot dot com uh yeah. any anything else about the record that we, we that we didn't get to there's some pr- pretty heady liner notes in it pretty interesting <laughs> writing
0: it's, you know yeah i ethos. mean i don't want people to take me too seriously you know just have fun <laughs> with the record <laughs> um yeah i'm just gl- i'm just glad it's out like i'm sure as you know laboring over a record you know it takes forever for them to come out and you there's a lot of hurrying up and waiting right like i have to get this mix perfect so i can send it off for mastering and then you wait 8 months for the vinyl to come in <laughs> And so it's it's just like so relieving to have it out yeah. and to actually get like a positive reception too. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's, it seems like the folks are responding. Critical reception to it. has been yeah. The critical reception has been super positive this time. So I'm like, I'm extremely happy about it and fortunate. You know,
1: it's all about that um, second decade.
0: <laughs> yeah, <I> guess so.
1: <laughs> I mean, and that is something that's been like, I guess a a, a decent. Story in the era of COVID is that with with less distractions of things to do, people are taking a little more opportunities to find new stuff and to listen a little deeper, maybe, and that rewards a band that rewards multiple listens, which I think is you guys. So that's that's good. Nothing wrong with that.
0: Yeah, I mean, we're not the most palatable band, and I accept that, and we're not going to ever have the widest audience. But I think we put a lot of craft into this record. You know, there's all the separate. Despite all the self-deprecating things I say in this interview. I mean, we put a lot of work and effort into this record. And so, well, and it shows,
1: it shows. Yeah. I mean, it, it's something where you've got a vision and you've mm-hmm. got uh, a, a kind of a world that you've built around this vision and you take it very seriously. Whereas the rest of life is obviously, a, you know, a bit of a hollow farce that we all have to endure until it's over. Uh, and, yeah. and, and that's a, uh, you know, that's, that can be off-putting for some people. I think that's a selling point. Personally, I think that's great. <laughs> no. are, are you ever gonna get, you know, are you ever gonna get uh, rich catering to Kona Neutron? You absolutely will not. But that said, <laughs> <laughs> it's for the people that it's for, and I, I think the fact that it's this record especially is connected with a lot of folks. I think there's a good reason for it, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm happy for you guys. It's a good record. I dig it and um yeah, thanks, man. It's, it's been great having you on i guess we'll just do you know last question only can question i ever ask and uh it's just uh, why do you do what you do
0: uh because it's a silk compulsion and i cannot stop uh i've been do- despite everything common sense tells me like why am i doing this with my life i You know, something Oxbow said on their DVD, you know, if you want to start a band, go into your backyard, dig a hole, put all your money in that hole and set it on fire. Uh, Like, why the fuck do I do this? I I don't know. It's just a sick compulsion at this point. I can't stop being creative. You know, I have my day job and it makes me money. And then uh, my mind's always racing and I have to get the shit out of my brain, you know, and uh, I'm so fortunate that I have, a couple other guys that are like along the journey with me to make this unpalatable music (laughs) and for to have an audience. I'm so fortunate to have an audience for my unpalatable music, you know?
1: I love it. James, (laughs) thanks so much for coming on, man. It's been great having you.
0: It's been a pleasure and it's been a privilege. (laughs) Thank you so much, man. No, I mean that, uh, it it really means a lot. Well,
1: I, I appreciate you coming on and, uh, I I can't wait till I can see you rock some of the stuff in a live environment. Hopefully in a fully vaccinated audience (laughs) or me and my hazmat suit, whatever, you know, (laughs) whatever's clever. It all works.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. All right, brother. Take care. Thank you, man.
1: Oh, there he goes. James Woodard. Grasshopper lies heavy. Cool guy. Uh, Interesting band. Uh, So the name of that record is A Cult That Worships a God of Death. Right? Right? So you know what you're getting into with the title. It's going to be audacious. And uh, that's available on Learning Curve Records. Go get it. Go get it, boys. Mm, Go get it. And, uh, yeah, recommended. It's a good one. There's, There's a lot of dudes yelling, but in a good way. Let's hear. Uh, actually, we'll do we'll do active buying. Uh, try that again. We'll do active buying groceries first. Uh, this is the act of buying groceries. You know what? We got the time. We're gonna do it with the. Uh, we're gonna do it with the intro. Actually, you know what? I changed my mind. We're gonna just do play the song. I don't want to do that. By the break, if you want to hear the intro, here we go. Active buying groceries. Depth, available learning curve records. Also, the Grasshopper Lies Heavy, camp.com And there you go. This has been another episode of Good New Transport Reversal. Thank you so very much for listening to it. The show airs Thursdays, 8 Eastern, 7 Central, 6 Mountain, 5 Pacific. RadioNope.com archives at ProtonicReversal.com always free no ads no sponsors no kidding if you like the show mister and mrs america all ships at sea and you want to get episodes sooner patreoncom Reversal. 1 a month will get you there always appreciated thanks for folks sharing the episodes around liking subscribing on uh, YouTube and all the various podcast apps reviews nice readings all that helps people find the show (coughs) thanks for listening too I appreciate that as well hope you enjoyed it and you know as always
0: can you hear me
1: now stay safe out there out on group take it easy dark
0: and I got my radio on can you hear me now can you hear me now This one goes out to a special girl There is no special girl!